Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Gentlemen, welcome to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, PDLA Podcast, Pampers Podcast, the only Flyers Podcast. Before we get started, let's have a roaring round of applause for the man, the myth, the legend, a man who went out, he took on a venture, and man, did he crush it this past weekend with the International Ice Wars, Ice Wars International, Ice's War on Twitter. That's right, your man, our man, Bundy. Chris Terrian, find him on Twitter, at CTerrian6. Bundy, you, you crushed it, you killed it, and now, Ice Wars International, the talk of the town, the talk of the internet, and who led that telecast? You. You. <laughs> who held it together? You. I mean, listen, a lot of great people there, but you. We're going to say it was all you. How you, you doing? You know what? You can say what you want. I'll tell you what. I had some unbelievable people to work with, Russ. And you know what I know. And, and you know what's really great with the whole production was it was a very grassroots, organic marketing campaign. Uh, you know what? I mean, I'm going back to the beginning when we, you know, we had uh, AJ Galante uh, join us on, um, and Charlie Nama join us on, on Snow the Goalie just to talk about this. You know, and we had, I mean, we had some bigger starts like Pat McAfee really got things off the ground. Uh, with the Galante family, who are just super people, and and Charlie, Cato Kalen. I mean, yeah, you hear the names Cato Kalen. But you know what? They're really, really uh, uh, was a ground roots, uh, grassroots efforts from the ground up. Uh, we had guys come in that, you know, like even Sean McMorrow, you know, he didn't have an NHL type of portfolio coming out, with, and he did an amazing job getting the fighters teed up for us. And it ended up being a very, very successful event. You know, like we, we I, when I got up, I, I had so much fun calling the mic again. Uh, getting back behind the mic, calling these events, and, and really bringing a lot of energy to it. But we had a blast, guys. It was an amazing event. The, the, our, the, the, the combatants were phenomenal. I'm just, a, the, you couldn't get better people involved. And um, and, that, and, and we're, we have a number two plan. So that's all you can ask. Get out of the first one and, and get ready for a second one. But I thank you guys for the support. I had a blast. I can't wait to get behind the desk again and call event number two. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Bundy. Good to see you. Good to see you guys, man. <laughs> Good old. But my favorite, thing, my favorite part about though, um, and and this is not an, a, another Ice Wars International show. In case the people are tuning in are right. like, oh no, are they going to do this the whole show again? But my favorite part about it was. Hold on, if those people are listening to this I, show, I just want to give them. It. I'm just letting just them know. Just letting it. them know. Can we have a little bit of fun? We the Flyers fun. suck. We'll talk about oh, it. Claude Giroux is out of the playoffs. Go cry into your Russell, Florida Panthers Russell, jersey. Russell, let's, Russell. Let's have a moment here to be happy oh, for Bundy. I am. I'm trying to, but you keep coming over the top. Jesus. Off the top rope unnecessarily. Over the top. Off the synthetic ice. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, but my favorite thing yeah. about it is is the recognition that it got from some, some bigger names on Twitter. I mean, when you get DraftKings – 
tweeting about it and talking about how big this is going to be, they're looking at it and saying, we can't wait to start offering odds on this thing, right? I mean, why, that's why DraftKings is putting that out there, you know? So when, so it's it's not so much the, the actual event itself, which obviously you guys were, you know, you had a great time calling it. It was very entertaining. It seemed like that the people there were really into it. But more than anything else, it, it, got, it, it got seen. And it got seen by the right people and the right companies and yep. the right organizations that tells you that this is not just going to be some stupid little one-off or two-off thing, that you guys are onto something and it's going to be bigger. And probably by this time next year, we're going to be talking about this the same way people talk about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the fights that are whether they're, um, you know, uh, whether we're talking UFC or, or you know, mixed right. martial arts of any kind. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's going to be in those same kind of realms. And, and, that's, and that's a really cool thing. And what was interesting and too? You know what? Was that, it, you know, it was. Go ahead, Russ. It was interesting to see. To Anthony's point, like you've got DraftKings, and we talked about this. If those who are listening, if you listen to the uh, the episode with Charlie M and, and AJ Galante, like we we talked about, you know, how long does it take? Like, have conversations been had with like a DraftKings, a Caesars, a FanDuel, you know, all those? And then of course, you know, online sports betting is legal in Ontario. Go check out Crossing Broad for more. Anyway, um, John Boy Media saw them. Uh, tweeting about it. That was something. But there was a bigger name. There was somebody that I did not expect to get in on the action, to get in on the conversation. And it's somebody that Bundy went back and forth with on Twitter. Renee Paquette, who is known for being, uh, she has a, a ton of roles. She has a show on Sirius XM with uh, Misha Tate. Uh, she was a uh, lead, you know, color commentator, uh, an analyst, and I think play-by-play as well for Monday Night Raw for a while with the WWE and more and more of their their studio shows as well. The backstage show where CM Punk actually showed up before he, you know, eventually came out and, uh, you know, got back in the ring for AEW. So Renee Paquette, that was a name I did not expect to see, uh, you know, jumping in on the conversation with, with uh, Ice Wars. Bundy, be honest, be honest. Did you think it was going to go this big this fast? Well, so what happened was, was that I saw a tweet someone had sent me, uh, uh, you know, with Renee Paquette. And, and listen, I was one of the guys that a lot of like us late 40s, 50 something guys were diehard 90s wrestling fans. And I think this is kind of true, Russ, because I, I know a lot of guys that happened to. And after The Rock and Stone Cold kind of parted ways or started moving on WWE, I think a lot of guys at like 35 years old kind of tuned out for a few years, just changed the channel. And they came back in around like the mid, you know, 2015. So we lost a lot of those years of, of the, the generational growth, I think, at WWE. But when I saw her name, I, I'd heard of her name. And, and she said, how did I, you know, something like, how did I not know about this? And, my, and I just tweeted back to her, well, you never called. And she sent like a meme back, like, I'm calling, I'm calling. <laughs> so... I mean, you know, just just like kind of like again, organic, uh, you know, interaction. She she uh, messaged me. Uh, you know, we traded numbers. I got it over to our to the bosses, and uh, away we went. And uh, I, I'm, you know, hopefully uh, we hear an announcement perhaps in the next day or so that uh, the lovely uh, Miss Paquette uh, may have something to do with Ice Wars moving into the future. But it's just that kind of stuff, you know, people talking about it, guys, which is what it was. There was an article on USA Today the other day. Uh, that was a very, very good, positive article. And, um, you know, I think the thing is people say, well, you know, you get the odd person mentioning it. You know, well, what about the violence, the punching and all that? If you talk to the fighters, they love it. Like, they want to go. They want to win. They want to decorate their name with, with the, the, the championship, the king of the rink uh, mantra. And, 
you know, that's the part to me that you can't take away. Like some of these guys had four, five, six hundred fights. Uh, it's just remarkable, you know, and, and legendary men's league guys. And, and, and really, they've, they've created their own persona of who they are. But we've A.J. Galante being the promoter and guys like we're really developing their characters. But there's, this is real. Uh, it's ferocious. It was mayhem. And I absolutely loved every single second of it. I was so proud and honored to be a part of this and took a chance on something. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to grow something really cool. Thank you guys for being a part of the early journey. Cool. I won't forget that. See that? He's not a man to forget the little people. And you and I, we're, we're the little people here. Oh, yeah. We're just happy. We're happy to, well, well, we got, happy we, to help we, you, we, Bundy. We need, we need to jump on this now, Russ. And, you know, well, one, you remember, one more AJ, thing. AJ, I want to AJ, did, AJ did suggest that you know maybe we could put a podcast together for this. So might be, it, it's uh, in the works. Might be I adventure. Yeah, another venture. But you know what? I wanted to say one more thing, which actually will segue into what we're talking about, the Flyers podcast. Carter Hart, you are the man, brother. He came on uh, <laughs> on Thursday. I got to say this, dude. Thank you to Carter Hart, a real flyer. You know, I'm glad he carried the grassroots roof buckets of the Flyers franchise forward. His dad came over to the casino. He lives in Edmonton. His dad was walking around the casino Thursday. He said, hey, I came over to maybe bump into you. Hope we, we, I'd see you. So I talked to John Hart for about uh, 30 minutes on the casino floor. He then called. Uh, I said, hey, you want to come to the fight Saturday? Absolutely. He says, me and Carter and friends are going golfing. They went golfing in Edmonton, came over to the fights. Carter sat down, called a fight with us, and he did not leave till 20 minutes after the last knuckles were chucked. He loved it. Came in behind the ropes where we were. So for the Philadelphia Flyers, Carter Hart, Thank you so much, brother. We had, I'm glad he had a great time. He has a great family and friends, and uh, it was a real honor to be able to have, uh, have some NHL support via a, a young star player. So thank you for that, kid. That's awesome. When you, uh, you tweeted out the picture, I was like, look at that. Young Carter Hart out there supporting Ice Wars. Uh, now, here's the question. Um, if Ivan Fedotov shows up and, and uh, outplays Carter Hart in camp, do we – set up ice wars in Voorhees. Like, do they, do they, you know, chuck some nucks for, uh, you know, a little uh, starting goalie gig here with the Flyers? Maybe not. Maybe not. But, hey, it'll be, he was out it'll there. be Christmas, that's, that's day, cool. Christmas Day in Moscow. They... <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I wanted, I, Buddy, I do think, though, Carter Hart's, he might have been the first, but he is certainly not going to be the last uh, active NHL player to get out to one of these events. No. I would almost guarantee that the demand to get into the next event is going to be through the freaking roof. It's going to be, it could very well become the who's who of current and former NHL players. I think it's going to be ridiculous over the top. I am so excited to see what happens and I'm proud of you. I'm very happy for you that, uh, you know, it's, it's had this much success this early. It's fantastic. Thank you me. deserve it, fella. You deserve it. I appreciate it. You know, all right. I appreciate all the on-air tutelage, too, from my friends at NBC Sports, because if I didn't have all that on-air tutelage, I wouldn't have been able to carry the water at Dice Wars. Thank you. <laughs> How about that? Look at that. A little kumbaya moment. Um, things, that, things that are deserved or not. So the, the Flyers did not play uh, last week. That's a news <laughs> to everybody out there. Um, former Flyers captain Claude Giroux's team was uh, swept in the second round. There are a lot of different takeaways to have from this. Uh, Bundy, Anthony and I had 
lovely chats this week. Oh, lovely. About what, about what happened uh, to Florida uh, in their series against Tampa Bay. Uh, before he and I rehash, I'm sure, uh, are, what are going to be some very painful conversations that we have to have, Bundy, I want to get your opinion on what went wrong for Florida. I don't know how much of the series you got to see, but um, not a great series for Claude Giroux, but really not a great series for anybody in a Panthers uniform. What happened? You know what? And again, I don't want people to be misconstrued by by how I say this, but what happened in the way I see it was, first of all, Washington probably could have gotten by Florida. They gave away that pivotal game that would have given them the edge in the series. And it was a three, nothing lead. And they, even they Backstrom said, I mean, we gave them the series. What happened was, and I said this to our good friend, Bill Meltzer, I said, you know, I'm, my concerns with getting a guy like Giroux is that he's coming from a team where he's still the guy, right? He's still the main guy in Philadelphia, wherever he went, he could not be the guy on a team that was supposed to lift the Stanley Cup. And he became the guy on Florida. He could not become the guy on Florida and them have success. Or they're going to lose in the first or second round. That's what happened. He needed to go there and be slotted in the third round. And this is what Meltzer said. Well, Florida, he will be slotted. He wasn't slotted. He was their feature player. And as a result, whether or not it had an impact on Barkoff, Huberdeau, uh, or the, and the other guys that have carried the water the entire year, it impacted them. They weren't the same players. And Giroux became the best player on the Florida Panthers. We've seen what he was as the best player of the Philadelphia Flyers. He was a very, very good player. But that didn't transcend to one year after another of heavy, deep playoff runs. It just didn't. So why would Florida, in all their wisdom, have a team that I thought was the best regular season team. Like, they were unbelievable. Big, physical, nasty. They got in in the corner. All these things they did, and you can't tell me I'm wrong, they did not do it in that playoff series. They didn't win battles in the corner. They were softer, easier to play against. Their power play stunk. By the way, nothing. I know Jeruz have been on teams with good power plays. He controlled again. The whole power play ran through G. Everything. They didn't run their power play through G during the year. So what I'm saying is, is that what the worst case scenario for the Florida Panthers happened, in a lot of ways, I liken it almost to the Adam Oates trade that we had late. And in, in, uh, when he came here late, he was an unbelievable regular season player. He was a great player on a team that um, hadn't had a lot of success. And he came here and people might blame Adam Oates for, but he had nothing to do with it. The problem is everyone remembers that trade. Anthony says they gave away three first round picks in a row, right? For, for yep. Adam Oates. Yep. But the problem with Giroux was he had, and that's why I said with Bill Meltzer, he had to be slotted. If he's going to win a Stanley Cup or he's going to be an impactful player on a team that's going to win a Stanley Cup, he needs to be playing about 14 minutes a night on the third line. Uh, and he can never, ever, ever be the feature. And I think that they learned a very, very hard lesson. Well, and I, uh, and I, think, what what ended up, I think what ended up happening, Bundy, and, and I think you're right, but, but to, but to kind of put a little bit more context into it, they turned to him. Because those other guys were not doing their jobs, but why? Because was they're that? choke artists, right? I mean, they, that was because they're choke. They've, they've historically, well, in the playoffs, they've historically you can't been say choke artists. Historically, choke artists. So that Florida hasn't had success in how 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 long, right? But I mean, yeah, Barkov and who? I mean, other than the one game, I think Huberdeau had a great game in one of the games against Washington. I think it was the, I think it was the comeback game where they came from behind. I think he had a four mm-hmm. four point game. But other than that, like really, they didn't show up in the playoffs like they played in the regular season. And so at that point, it became, 
you know, because when it started, Giroux was playing third line kind of minutes. I mean, you know, yes, he was playing on the number one power play, but he was playing third line kind of role with that team uh, in the playoffs. You know, Verhage had a nice first series. Um, Duclair, but then Duclair gets scratched by, by the end of the Tampa series. It, it was they just they just didn't have it, and it was almost a lot, it was very reminiscent of the Flyers uh, in the bubble. That first series against Montreal, where it's like, okay, well they got by, they won the series, but there should have been there was there should the, you know, the red flags should have gone up, and then the Islanders took took real advantage of it. And if it wasn't for guys like Drew in that series, who every time that they had to come from behind and win a game in overtime, like he was their best player, um, you know, and obviously the Islanders are not the Tampa Bay Lightning, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. They, so that, you know, they coughed up those three games of the Flyers and let it become a seven-game series. But Tampa was not about to do that. Tampa, Tampa turned it on and Vasilevsky became Vasilevsky after he was not as good in the first round. He was sensational. Um, the last two games, well, last two games of the first round, and then all four games against Florida. Um, so it was a combination of Tampa got Tampa became Tampa, um, and and Florida just just wilted. And at that point, it was like, well, who can help us? And they turned to Giroux. And you're right. At that point, Giroux cannot be. You can't you can't expect to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning when Claude Giroux is your best player. But there's and, but and what I'm saying, that, and that's ways. what happened. Yeah, 100%. That's what happened. But I don't know what happened first. Did, 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 what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did they go, did they Did they say when Giroux came in, okay, we got another guy who's really going to help take a load off, and then they take their foot off the gas just a little bit. And if you take your foot off the gas just a tiny little bit in the playoff series, it's the difference. Well, in, they did in, in the playoffs. So that's the thing. They didn't take their foot off the gas in regular season. If you remember, after Giroux, no, after Giroux came, but they went, what, 12 games in a row with, with, a, with a point, I think, or a win yeah. or whatever, 10, and, 10 wins in a row, whatever it was. Um, so they didn't take their foot off the gas in a regular season. You thought, okay, this could work for them. And then come the playoffs, it was almost like, oh, well, we're better than this team. No, we're the best team. We'll, we'll make it work. And then you're right. They did take their foot. Or maybe they got a little bit spooked by they thought they were going to get Toronto, who doesn't play as, as good defensively because Toronto had that series in the bag and then they then they coughed it up, which was fun. Um, I love the fact that Toronto can't <laughs> can win. Um, but, uh, but then they all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we got Tampa. Oh, and now they're now they're feeling it again. Oh, they're and they're they're looking like a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh-oh. And and that's and you I mean you heard you heard their coach. I mean, he did he said everything that Terry Murray said without using the choke word, right? About his about his team. When you when with you know, Florida, the way that they were playing against against Tampa. And he's and he was spot on. They just really just they just decided not to play hockey. I don't know what it was. Uh, uh, collectively, they they were beaten. They were mentally beaten by Tampa. And and you know, is that that you know, that's not on Claude Giroux specifically. That's on the whole the group of them together. But man, man was that bad. Man was that awful. I mean, you had a a star-studded power play, right? Like you had a, I, I don't an know how the power play power, was You had an elite power play. What you had Barkov, Uberdo, Reinhardt, Giroux, and Ekblad, right? Yeah, I don't know how that, I don't they know went. How one, they, score. they went one for thirty-one. I don't know how that happens. One for thirty-one. I don't know how it happens either. I, I, but to Bunny's point, the, if go ahead, Bunny. This is one of the cases here, guys, where I think, honestly, God, it's nothing. That, I know what you're saying, Anthony, but it's almost like they would have had a better chance if they didn't make a major trade at the deadline. Honestly, God, they, they, they right. I might think be right. They, they disrupted sometimes, their chemistry. Sometimes and, and, it happens. I, yeah. 
But Bunny, yeah. this is the perfect example with this is you know, we talk and we've talked about this before. You know, to you guys in two thousand, where you guys had that great chemistry and you had one bad game and they're like, oh, I put Lindros in. And it just it ruined the chemistry of the team. Right. He was and, coming and, in already. He was already coming in. We knew it before game five. And that was just enough to mess every all our star players' heads right up. Yeah. That, and him, it's, it's, you know, I tell people don't get this. Him coming back didn't cost us the series on the ice. It was enough to put enough shit in people's heads right. because we were winning. We were winning in spite of them, mm-hmm. right. and in spite of all the detractors. So that changed the, the 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 mental part of what we were thinking. Exactly, and 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 that thing, people forget that in sports. I think that a lot of times, you know, it's easy to look at teams on paper and say, "Oh, that's the best team," or that whatever. But they they kind of forget. That there is a, there is a thing there is a, chemistry is a thing. It's not it's it's not a it's not just something that we talk about right as as people who are broadcasting. There is a legitimate thing about chemistry, and it's not just chemistry in what works together well, but sometimes when something is going well, why ruin it? Why change it? Why do something different? And that can that messes with it. Not to say that I mean, look, if Lindros was there from the beginning of the playoffs that year, you guys might have stormed through. Right, you guys might have stormed through anyway and, and won everything, um, but the fact was is that when it happened, when he was coming back in, the, the timing of it, it, you guys had one bad game and it was like, oh, okay, now this is going to happen, and it's it, it certainly messes with the head, and that's why it's so hard to win a championship in any sport, because not only do you have to be good, and not only do you have to be a little bit of lucky sometimes, but you also have to be able to maintain that mental focus and that mental approach to the game and why the Stanley Cup is everybody always says is the hardest championship to win because it takes two months and you have to win 16 games in four seven round series and it's so hard on a night in night out basis to have that focus to maintain that belief for that long in a group of 20 individuals as opposed to any other sport that doesn't have that kind of that kind of approach. And that's why it still remains the hardest championship to win. I, I stand by that. So, and I think Florida, Florida learned that lesson. Florida, as, a, as an organization, you know, your boy, Ross, Bill Zito, <laughs> mm-hmm. your favorite general manager, maybe he learned a lesson that, yeah, I maybe went too far. Maybe I did too much. He did too much. I know, an, I know another coach. I know another coach in the league. I actually asked him at the deadline, "You have any interest in, in Giroux?" And he said, "Not a little bit, not one little bit." And he was for the same reasons that I just mentioned. You know, and I think that's that's part of it. Where you know you're saying like, "What does it do to the chemistry?" I, I just felt like for some reason at the end, like Giroux had would he have nine shots or nine nine attempted shots in that last game? I mean, he just he was doing everything yeah. he could to win. It almost felt like they, I was watching the Flyers in an elimination game in the playoffs. It, yeah. almost, it felt yeah. identical. It felt identical. I mean, this isn't the Bill Zito podcast. I merely have said in the past that I think that Bill Zito deserved more than a courtesy interview. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think Bill Zito, if if nothing else, has shown an ability to find players around the fringes and to build he's, a team. He's that done a nice job. Can can be successful. He's done, I'm not he's so done sure nice the guy job. that's currently employed can do that. Um, I threw this out. And it, of course, triggered a lot of people who were living vicariously through Claude Giroux. But when the deadline was coming up, and when we knew that there were four-ish teams, five teams, with different levels of interest in Claude Giroux, 
I said at the time that I thought Colorado probably could have been the best place for him to go, if for no other reason than kind of to Bundy's point. I think Colorado wouldn't have needed Giroud to be on their top line, probably could have played more of a mid-six role. Uh, you wouldn't have run into a situation where you're relying on him as heavily as, as Florida ended up having to. I will come back again to the fact that like Huberto only had, what, five points, I think, in the postseason through nine games. He's in, what, his ninth year, his tenth year, um, and Barkov, I think, is in his ninth year. I think combined they have like 11 playoff goals between them. Uh, they're, they're choke artists. They just kind of are. When they get to the playoffs, they don't show up. They don't get to the playoffs very often, but when they do, they don't perform well. And so maybe this is where Bill Zito kind of faltered. You know, if, if you know that and you think that bringing in another guy and being able to put him on your top power play unit and to rely on him to kind of help you know, when those two don't show up the way that they do in the regular season, there is a, there's like a a decent bit of, you know, rational thought behind it. But like, I came back to the fact that like, again, pre-deadline, Colorado, I thought was the best place for Claude Giroux to go. Obviously, uh, based on what we had heard, Colorado also had the better package available for Claude Giroux going into the, to the trade deadline. To me, that was the way to go. And I, I merely suggested uh, on Twitter that Claude Giroux had the ability, he had the chance to go to Colorado where he wouldn't have had to run into the Tampa Bay Lightning in pursuit of their third consecutive Stanley Cup until the finals. But instead, he chose to go to Florida where it was kind of a foregone conclusion that at some point he would have to run into the Tampa Bay Lightning, very likely. And he did. And then his team got swept out in the second round. I'm not saying that Claude Giroux is a shitty player. I'm not saying that Claude Giroux is a choke artist. I'm not saying Claude Giroux is a bad player. I'm merely suggesting that if it were me, not the hockey player, right? Just me. I thought that Tampa Bay was an odds-on favorite to make it back to the Stanley Cup final, if not win it. They have proven two consecutive years they can overcome a lot, and they are a tough team, and Vasilevsky is arguably the best goalie in the sport. I would not want to run into that guy until the very last round. Because by that point, you can have a whole lot of things happen. And Bundy, you can probably speak to this as well as anybody. A team can get hot. Your goalie can get hot. You can have uh, players on your team that haven't played a huge role all year that finally find their footing and they step up in the postseason. I would rather go into the Stanley Cup final knowing all of those possibilities exist than you get caught flat-footed in the first round. And then you definitely get caught flat-footed in the second round. And then you get swept out. I think Claude Giroux made a mistake. From a hockey perspective, he made a mistake by going to Florida, not Colorado. We talked about it on this show. There's family factors. There were a whole bunch of other factors that went into his decision to go to Florida. But from a hockey perspective, Colorado was the best situation he could have gone into. Ultimately, he didn't. He's out of the playoffs. Well, well, I, I disagree with that whole thing. I don't agree with that. I, I, I mean, he could have picked either team. I mean, I don't know if he wouldn't, if same thing wouldn't have happened in Colorado. I'm not sure about that either. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think Florida, when you look at them on paper, if you're going to go to a team, like for me, I would have been tied with Colorado or Florida, to be honest with you. The way that both teams were playing, like I, I honest to God, guys, and I've thought this for three years. When I even when I was calling games live, like I watched Barkov, and I thought there he's a really special player, and he is. Uh, he hasn't had a ton of playoff games, Russ, 
Um, they were a really bad team for a long time, and he was a bright spot along with Ekblad and now Huberto coming in. But I, I really feel like the way Florida was stacked up, even before Giroux, I felt like they were a better team that was equipped to win the Stanley Cup. I don't think it would have made a difference if he went to Colorado or Florida. Uh, you know, they could have won. But I think Florida was as good a pick as, as Colorado would have been uh, in terms of going to a contender. Uh, I, I, do, I, I just think that, that what happened, though, in terms of the way, the, the way Brunette had to use them, Andrew Burnett, the coach, uh, you just could not ever, ever have that guy playing in a top three spot, and they did. And at this point in his career, I mean, we've seen this act. It, it ha- didn't work here for a decade with him as the best player. Why would you put him on the best team, eliminate their actual best players, and think that th- something was going to change? It never was. The difference with Colorado, and I'll give you this, Russ, uh, the top three, four guys on their team, there's no way he would have had a sniff playing in that group at all. So that would have maybe that one more player, one more elite player would have pushed him down a line. Because he became the most pivotal part of the Florida Panthers, and it cost them a playoff, a, a, well, a, a run in the playoffs. And, and, and I agree with you, Bundy. And I, I think that this is this is the way I would look at it, though, to kind of sit there and say it, it could have gone the same way with Colorado as it ended up, as it eventually going going with Florida. Is this well? There's two things. First of all, if you're looking at it comparatively, if you're Claude Giroux saying which is the better spot, and you look at and you look at Colorado and you look versus Florida, Florida was. Got the better goalie, right? I mean, Bobrovsky is better than Dick Van Kemper um, mm-hmm. overall. Well, he's a better goalie. Um, and I think Florida's got a better defensive team than Colorado. Colorado just comes at you nonstop. Yes, you got McCarr and Taves. But beyond that, their defense is not solid. Whereas Florida's defense was, was pretty darn good, right? Even when, mm-hmm. even And then they added Sherratt. Um, yep. which was insurance because they weren't sure where Ekblad was because of the injury, and they add Sherratt. And so, like, they really got deep on the defensive side. So I think Florida had a more complete team, whereas Colorado was more just offensively driven. But Colorado's also had this stigma that they can't get to the conference final, right? They just they just can't – they have this this thing in their head that they can't, they can't get by. Everybody tell them, as talented as you are, you should have been there by now. You should have been there by now. This is 10 years since the rebuild started, and you haven't gotten there. And you watched it last night. You saw it last night where they have a 3 nothing lead in game five at home on St. Louis with a backup goalie, and they cough it up and lose the game and lose it in overtime. And, look, Baruby's a great coach, right? So he knows how to get, get those guys motivated, right? Taras- Once Tarasenko scored that goal, it was over. Like, you knew St. Louis was coming back in this game, right? You knew they were coming yeah. back. Um, but there was a thing. So now all of a sudden – now you're Colorado. You're down. You're up. You're still up three two. But now you got to go back to St. Louis, and heaven forbid you lose that game because then it's a game seven. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think? And what's going through their head, right? And what's going through their head right now? Oh my God. Maybe we can't do it. Maybe we can't get to that conference final. It's a lot like the Sixers, right? In the same way. And and if you would have put Giroux in that spot, let's put let's put Giroux on that team and put him in this scenario. Okay. Now all of a sudden these guys are starting to question themselves again. Does Bednar then turn to Giroux and be like, "Hey, man, we need you now more than ever." And it's the same concept, right? I mean, wouldn't it? It could. It could certainly be a similar situation. You know, we we need you here, man. We need you to step up and be into help this power play, get this thing going, and and kind of lean on him a little bit more. You know, the, look, they they pulled Drake. Bar- they pulled um, Barhowski that they they pulled out. Who it's sixty two points regular season, not playing. They're playing Nick Obekubel instead. Um, uh, over him in Colorado right now. Um, but I mean, imagine that. Like, you're pulling a 62-point player out of the lineup to play Nick Albe-Kubel, um, who's played well for Colorado. Don't get me wrong. But 
we've seen that we've seen that act too. Okay, so like if that, to me that's that that reeks a little bit of desperation. And so if that's the case, if you have a Claude Giroux, don't you think that they might get a little bit desperate in that regard as well? And I think he could have found himself in a very very similar role, peppering. Well. St. Louis with 10 shots and and not scoring and and everybody getting frustrated because they're like, man, why can't we score? And, and, and you know, it's funny, Anthony, too, and you're just talking about a little bit about like the, the playoffs in general because we're on the theme. It sure looks like the Calgary Flames are going to be the Florida Panthers of the West, right? The I'm way, like, but, but I, I was just out in Alberta, of course, for, for Ice Wars, and I'll tell you what, I, I don't think, I, you know, I knew how good he was in speed, but boy, I have a new appreciation for McDavid. Like, I mean, this guy... This guy has single-handedly changed the way the Calgary Flames have had to play against. I've never seen a team have to game plan for one guy the way one guy's had to be game plan. You could talk about Gretzky and Lemieux. Uh, I think they're uh, generational talents, like extraordinary, and they have Stanley Cups, and maybe McDavid will get there. I don't want to put him in a Gretzky league yet. I just There's something about Wayne Gretzky, guys, that just doesn't define any anything the way we look at an athlete in sporting. He's just mm-hmm. a freak show. None of it made sense. But the way McDavid has done it, I mean, he's just taken this team apart. I mean, he's almost part of, like, what is it, 85% of the goals or something in the playoffs for Calgary or for Edmonton. Um, But Calgary is a very similar team to Florida in a lot of ways. There's high expectations out there for them. So playoffs have been pretty cool. But you're right, Anthony, about Colorado last night, right? Like, they're going back there. And I saw Landis Cog and McKinnon after the game talking. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're fine. We're going to go back there. And that's all saying all the right things. But I can't tell you how devastating a loss that was yesterday. Um, that's one that will eat you for a couple of days. And you got to have, like, Baruby, such a good coach. And this one now puts it right back in Bedner's court to try to regroup these guys. Because I'm telling you, they may tell you it's okay. It's not okay. It's you know, not okay. It, it's, it's how they lost, Bundy. It's not, yeah. it's not like if yes. they would have come out and just played it. If they, if they would have come out and just been like, you know, St. Louis just dominated from the beginning. It was just a bad game. I think that you can yeah. go after the game and say, you know what? We didn't play our best game. We're going to go to St. Louis and we're going to play our best game. But they got out to a 3 nothing lead on them and then lost the, and lost the game. It was, a lot, it was very reminiscent of, of Boston Flyers 2010, Game 7, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I sat there and I'm watching the game. I'm like, St. Louis has this. If they want this series, they have this series now. After they score that goal in overtime, yes, you got to win two games. you got to beat Colorado twice, once more back in Colorado. But I think that the men- that mentally, they now believe in Huso. He, ma- he had a decent game last night. made a couple of really big saves uh, for, for the Blues. Um, they believe in him. Um, they, they, had this whole, they have this whole mentality now of they can go into Colorado and win there. They've, um, they, they played two really good games there. Um, just win one at home, and all of a sudden it's a 50-50. And, and I think that St. Louis is – I think that that's where they're at, and I think that that's how Chiefs going to going to approach it with them, and I think they're going to play a great game at home. And I, This series is not over by a long shot, and, and I think that – I would not be surprised if it's St. Louis-Edmonton instead of Colorado-Edmonton. The uh, the odds makers don't think you're as crazy as uh, some people might. So if you uh, head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, of course through CrossingBroad.com uh, <clears throat> or EliteSportsNewYork.com or one of our other sites, um, St. Louis right now is plus five fifty to win the series. The Avalanche are still heavily favored at minus eight hundred. For those who aren't betting adept, that means that a one hundred dollar bet on the Blues would net you five fifty in profit. It's honestly not a, a terrible bet to throw down versus it no. would cost you $800 to make 100 if uh, the Avalanche win. To put that in perspective with the other Western Conference series, 
Calgary's plus 450, so a little bit off. Plus 450 to win their series against the Oilers. The Oilers are minus 600. I would argue, and I think you guys probably would too, Edmonton is in a much better position to win their series. Yeah, because so it is a little bit surprising that they're not as as heavy of a favorite, even though they hold what a three a three games to one lead so, instead of I, uh, three games to yeah, two. Yeah, and I, I think that the reason the reason is right now, Russ, is that they're the they're the road team in game five. So even if you have that's a exactly bad right. if you and, have a bad game, game seven, five, yep. you come home for game six. Yeah, you're right. And I think that that's right. the I think that's the the one difference, right, Bundy? Would you would you kind of agree with that a little bit? That when you're up three one in a series, if you're going to lose game five and you lose it on the road, it's not as bad as losing it at home. Like you don't suddenly feel that dread because you're like you know you lose game five on the road. It's like well yeah well we're going back to our place now. Now we're going to win game six, no problem. Um, but if you're if you're up three one at home and you lose game five, then it's like uh oh, we better win this game on the road. Otherwise, we have a game seven that we have to deal with. Yeah, there's no question about it. And it's the same situation. We had the 3-1 lead on the Devils. You know, we, we, we laid an egg in that uh, at home in game five, lost 4-1, and then went back to New Jersey. That's where, you know, Lindros came back for his first game. But, you know, he actually played well, but it was just something about it. And then when you get to the game seven, that's where the coin toss, you know, you, you, you yeah. enact it's a 50-50. It really is. It's who shows up, who gets a lucky bounce early. And I'll be honest with you, uh, if there's a game seven between the Blues and Colorado – I'll take the Blues just just on the fact that they've won before, uh, yep. they've been there, done that, and if they already won two when they were down three nothing in Game Five of the elimination game, they got nothing yeah. to be scared about at all. They figure they're playing yeah. with house money anyway, and and Colorado is actually the one that has the affinity for choking. Russ, to be quite honest with you, they're the ones that have had a lot of years now and they haven't won anything with a guy that's probably the next best player in the league to McDavid and a guy like um, uh, McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure on Colorado, and I'll tell you what, that 550 play, um, that would probably be a smart money bet, the hundred dollars laying that on on uh, on St. Louis because yeah, Chief won't let them off the hook, his team, and he's probably sees a a, a wounded uh, you know a wounded animal in Colorado a little bit, and he'll I've been around this guy, he'll sick the dogs after him to finish it if he can, you know, so be a real interesting for it should be a ferocious game tomorrow night in st Louis. i'm gonna make some people I, i'm gonna make some some people some money if you go to DraftKings, of course through crossingbroad.com you can bet five win 150 on either team in the nba's western conference finals golden state is minus 310 to win against uh luka Doncic's mavericks tonight games in golden state they're going to win and as long as they do, that'll get you six $25 free bets. So that's $150 worth of free bets that you can use on other things, including putting money down on that plus 550 line. You don't even have to shell out a ton of money. There you go. I just helped you. You're welcome. Um, the, the only other series remaining is actually one that I've taken a bit of an interest in, and that's the Eastern Conference Series between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. One of our best friends uh, is a huge Rangers fan, and uh, Game 3 happened. And he and his wife were, were over. She's like set, I think she's due in a, a month or so with twins. So we figured this would be like our, our last chance to really get together before things get super crazy for them. And uh, game three happens. And all I kept thinking was, you just need Shesterkin to get hot. Just a little bit. You get a 3-1 result, a 4-1 result. Now the series goes back to Carolina. To give people an idea, the odds makers have this one close to toss-up range. The Rangers are plus 125. The Hurricanes are minus 145. Um, 
All right, so in theory, it's now a best of three series. Two of those games could happen in Carolina. I'm kind of leaning Rangers here, Bundy. Yeah. How do you feel about the series? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Rangers. Carolina, I love my buddy Rod Brindamore, great teammate. They're, to me, they're a little bit of a fraud. They can't win on the road. Um, their star players cannot play on the road. Like, Ajo's been just brutal on the road. So if you can't win on the road um, in the playoffs, uh, you're, I mean, they haven't won a road game yet, right? No, they no. haven't. They haven't won a road game no. in the series in, in the entire playoffs. So they go home, they get home cook. And I mean, yeah, I mean, do you think a team like Tampa is going to worry about not winning in Carolina? I'm with you, Russ. I think the Rangers actually win this series. I may be wrong, but I think the Rangers have the better. If I had to pick a side right now, I would say the Rangers are more likely to win a game in Carolina than Carolina is going to win one at, at the Garden. That's just yeah, my, that's I, what I think right now. And I, and I think it's because Shesterkin's found himself. He was he was not good in the first round, right? I mean, how many times did he get pulled against the against Pittsburgh, right? And and they still found a way to win the series, and then they lose the first two games in Carolina. Well, Carolina is six and zero at home in the playoffs. They're zero mm-hmm. they're zero five on the road uh, in the playoffs. But Shesterkin in this series has been sensational, and he's been the guy that a lot of us thought was a Hart Trophy candidate and certainly going to win the Vezina, uh, but may also win the Hart Trophy as he's a Hart Trophy finalist as well. Um, yeah, I do think that this is a, a series where the goalie is going to steal the series for somebody, and I think it's going to end up being Shesterkin stealing it for the Rangers and, and the Rangers going to the conference final um, against Tampa, which would be a pretty good series, but I don't think the Rangers can beat Tampa. But uh, nevertheless, um, I, I, I do like I, I do agree with you guys. I think that the Rangers are going to win this series. It may go seven. It may it may not be till game seven yeah. that they win the that they win that game on the road. Um, but at the same time, I I think it's uh, I, I definitely think this is the one where it, the goalie the goalie can win the game that you don't expect to lose if you're the home team. I think there's a compelling case to be made here that the Rangers winning this series could be good for the Flyers. What's that Rob? on a couple of levels? So how many times have we come back around to, you know, the way that Bundy and I, I think, view this team and, and what they should do or, or what might behoove them in the long term to do? It's a similar plan to what the Rangers did. Now, is Carter Hart or is Ivan Fedotov going to be Shesterkin? No. You're, you're so caught up do in you have, Do you have – do you have – listen, I – you just wait. Just wait. One of two things is going to happen. Either Fedotov is going to come over here and he's going to be amazing or he's going to be – absolute garbage and i will scrub any episodes that we've done where i've even mentioned his name i'm just gonna dub him like you're gonna have uh, a hard time me saying anything bad about carter hart yeah exactly hey bundy's been a big believer we've all been big believers here of carter hart on snow the goalie don't you dare snow carter hart i i firmly fondly uh, I, i totally agree um the rangers being good they're ahead of schedule because they they hit on some draft picks and a few players have developed faster than anticipated. And they had some lottery luck. So it's not an easy blueprint to replicate. But if you are in the camp of we don't want the quote-unquote aggressive retool and we want this to be something where we build through the draft, maybe maybe there's a case here. But I think it's actually better for the Flyers overall because... That's a team that you're going to play against. That's a team that you have to face off against often during the regular season. And that is a team that stands as an existential threat to your hopes of winning a Stanley Cup. 
And if you think that the Flyers' ownership doesn't care about winning, it is hard to look at a team that has accelerated their growth and accelerated their development as fast as the Rangers have and then sit back and say, well, we're happy with our team. Like, we, sometimes there is something to be said for seeing a division team succeed. It, it kind of, I don't know, adds a little bit more fire. It adds a little bit more desperation in a positive way to improve your team. I'm just saying, I, I think it's actually good for the Flyers. I also think it's good for the, for the quote-unquote rivalry that they could have with the Rangers. I like when New York teams are good because I feel like Philly and New York fans going at it adds to the atmosphere. And I want this team to be good. And I want the atmosphere around this team to be good. I think the Rangers being good is actually good for the Flyers. Okay. You know what's going to be interesting, too? We haven't even dealt with it yet, but what are the Devils going to look like moving into the future? They got some talent there, too, guys, that haven't yep. really popped yet. There's a lot of teams you got to deal with. This is why I'm telling you right now and why I say the Flyers fans. It's so, like, we get, I don't have gotten into the coach, but this is a problem for me. Like, they're so far behind developmentally, the other teams that have had high picks that I – this is why this is such a fine line, right, Anthony? We've talked about it in terms of – you know, the team developing. If you don't hit your picks, Nolan, the Nolan Patrick pick changes probably a lot of the dynamic of what this group does if you if you hit on that pick. But, like, you know, with the Devils, you have, like, a Jack Hughes who kind of had some games where he broke out this year, but they're still waiting for him after a couple seasons, right, to, to, to shine through. So there are other guys, and that's why when you get young players in, like, you got to be sure about your star players because there's just not enough of them. The league is so similar in so many ways that when you do have a high-end guy, you can't miss on it, and that's where... You know, Kako and um, uh, Lafreniere in New York were high picks. I don't know if they're, they're not Lemieux and McDavid by any stretch of the imagination, but they're good players, and now they're getting that playoff experience that makes a difference for them. So there's a lot of teams, guys, in, in this division, in this conference, and the Flyers, in terms of where they are, have a long way to go to, ch to chase that younger talent that those other teams have because the Flyers simply don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, a, a lot's going to come down to the coach, and that's probably a good transition here, Bunny, to kind of talk about where things are um, at this point. Um, the Flyers are well into their uh, coaching search. Um, they've had uh, one interview already with John Tortorella. Um, I know that the Barry Trotz interview is either happening today or tomorrow. Um, and then you have, uh, or I'm sorry, either tomorrow or Friday. Um, and then either. Um, tomorrow is Friday. It's today or tomorrow. I'm right. Today is Thursday. Yeah, okay. okay. You're, you're, you're good. I'm, Don't second guess yourself. Your gut instinct's good. I, got, I had it. Um, they, uh, they also um, – uh, they're going to bring in Kirk Muller um, is going to come in for an interview once Calgary's eliminated. We expect Jim Montgomery to come in once the Blues are eliminated, um, assuming they're eliminated uh, at some point. And, uh, um, and, and talk, it's going to get an interview. But I think that that's more of a cursory one. Uh, I would say at this point, I'm, I'm not. If you're if you're picking Tockett over any of these other guys, I think that's just to try and sell tickets and not to really try and make the team better. If I'm being completely honest um, with where this team is right now, because I don't look at Tock as a builder. I look at, at Tock as a guy who's an emotional. Look, I think Tock would be a great assistant coach. I really do. Um, but anyway, so you know, obviously there's some big names coming in here. And the Flyers have to be willing to must be willing to throw a lot of money at some of these guys to bring them in. If that's what you know, if you're interviewing Tortorella, you're interviewing Trotz. Trotz is going to be interviewing in five different cities. 
the only way you you appeal to him is if you're throwing more money at him than any coach has ever gotten, I think. Um, and it sounds like the Flyers are willing to do that to their credit. Where do you think it ends up, Bundy? What, what, what makes the most sense to you? I, I think that they, uh, I think they're going to end up with a guy like Jim Montgomery. That's yeah. what I think. That's I, I just think that there's so here. I mean, you're right. Unless they just give Barry Trot some obscene Nick Saban SEC Alabama contract, which I mean, if you want to do that, fine. I don't think that this is a league that should be paying coaches ten million dollars a year. But if there's a team that can pay a coach that, it would probably be this team. I mean, right. they just paid a guy who most guys didn't even like. They were paying him $5 million a year. Uh, so what's another five, right? But again, I, I think it's just going to – I mean, if I'm Barry Trotz, I'm just uh, – again, I want people to understand how I'm saying this, all right? I'm not saying I'm not coming here. I'm saying that I don't really want to come here. If I'm a guy who's already won a cup, Trotz – uh, Tortorella. I'm like, I'm going to take the interview because I'm thinking, geez, I hope they throw a shitload of money at me because this is a team to be at if you're doing it. Do I really want to come here if I'm them? If I'm putting myself in their shoes? No! I don't want anything to do with this team. It's a rebuild. It's a retool. It's a no playoff. It's, it is. They can say what they want. They're not going to get enough free agents or rebuild this team in a year to make the playoffs for any of the next three or four years. And I'm not sitting here going to blow smoke up people's rear ends and tell them it's all going to be different because it isn't. They're going to get a guy probably like a Montgomery. If they get a John Tortorella, then they probably seriously overpaid him because no coach wants to come in here and coach a team that's got more minor leaguers at the back, uh, uh, you know, through the back end of the lineup. I don't want that. If, I, I, if I'm going to get an interview here, I'm going to get an interview somewhere else where I have a better chance of winning. Why would they want to rebuild and retool at this stage of their coaching careers? They're not brand new. They're going to go to try to take a team that's going to win or at least give them a chance in their own mind to win. That destination is not here. It might be in four or five years, but it's not now. Well, I want to talk about two different things that Tortorella said at two different times. And I think that you're onto something here, Bundy. So when, when Barry Trotz was fired um, by the Islanders, you know, a lot of us were surprised that this happened. And Tortorella goes on, I believe it was on ESPN, it might have been TNT, I forget which, which television show, which uh, pregame show it was, but he was on. Um, and they asked him, they said, well, you know, what do you think about this? He says, well, I'm not surprised at all. He said, the way things have gone in the NHL now, he said, coaches absolutely 100% have a shelf life. He said, I didn't believe this when I was a coach. He said, when I was coaching before, I didn't believe it. I felt like, you know, the message would work with every team. And we, I could stay in a job for longer periods of time. He said, but nowadays, the shelf life for an NHL coach is three years. He says, it's it. He says, you get three years, and if you haven't, you know, at least gotten close or, or on your way to getting there, that you're going to be done. And, you know, the teams are going to go to look for someone else. He says, and so the Islanders, he had four years. Um, and, you know, he got, he got close two years, but he took a step back. But we're gonna, we don't want to take a step back. No matter, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, that they had, you know, six-week road trip and, you know, COVID and everything else. doesn't matter. You get, you get that shelf life. And he said, so he said, Barry Trotz is a, is a great coach. He's a great man. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy who's, who's going to win. But if you don't win within three years, they're going to find look for somebody else. Yeah. So if that's the case, if that's the case, and, and, if, and he's right, and you are a top-end coach, unless you really just want to take the money because the money's great, that, I mean, that's really the only thing I think that the Flyers really have at this point is the, the angle that they would have is, you know, Dave Scott's blank check, right? Is that, you know, whatever it takes to convince the guy to come here, 
if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Because that's the, that might that's the only thing. You're right. You you don't take this job because you look at this roster and say, "There's no way I can win a, I can I can get there in three years," right? Yeah. yeah well, you're you're, and, you're just you're coaching you're coaching mud because you're just going yeah. around in circles. And every day you go out to practice, you're like, "Jesus, you know what? We're going to be thirty and forty-two and eight or whatever." And there's no way I can win because I don't tell. Listen, I'm going off, right, guys? What talent is going to change in the summer? We're going to get the fifth pick. He's going to be an 18-year-old kid. But at the end of the day, we just had, like I said before, we had a coach who was the interim who was a diehard loyalist to the GM. And Mike Yo said, I'm sorry, guys. Bowman and Toll Blake couldn't coach this. They would not win with this group. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. He said it. We, I don't care. Scotty Bowman and Toe Blake could not win with this group. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. A, Nothing's going to change in the summer or the offseason. Yeah. Go ahead, Roscoe. And then I, have, and, I want to do one and, other thing that Tortorella said. Go ahead. So go over the list again. It was Trotz, Torts, Tockett, Montgomery, Muller. Who else? I think that's – Is there one other one? I think that's that it, was it for right now, yeah. I mean, there might be other names okay. that come up, but I think that's the, the names that have been talked about, yeah. Okay. So, for those who are watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, there you go. Uh, <laughs> go ahead with your torts point. So, but I, I want to come. I, I want to come back to this because you can you can kind of set these guys in different categories, right? Yeah. Uh, based on on why you would hire them, go with the, the so, other. So the last point, thing that I want to get to is you know, Torts gets interviewed with the Flyers, and you know, he's on ESPN, and they ask him, and he and his response was. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm I'm honored to, you know, have the opportunity to to meet with a team like the Flyers, and that's all. He says, and that's all I'm going to say. So that just to me that sounded very milk toasty, right? I mean, it's very like, yeah, it wasn't what I expected, or it wasn't great. It wasn't a great interview. And I, I'll tell you something else that I kind of heard. Here we go. Say it. Maybe the the Flyers are are considering him for sure. I mean. That, you know, they, they wouldn't be interviewing him if they didn't consider him um, as, a, as a viable head coaching candidate. But they want, I think they wanted to also know if there was a world where another one of their candidates was named head coach if John Tortorella would come as well as an assistant. I see Say your face. Again. I see your faces, right? Your faces are, are like shocking. And I, that's, that was my reaction as well when I was, when I was told that. I'm like... Wait That's a minute, hold on. Can you see that again? Hold on a minute. Yeah, I, 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 okay, I, I just think it was it was it's probably just discussed, just thrown out there, just kind of like an idea. Um they they've done it before and it didn't work with Michelle Terrian, right, and Mike Yo to have form three former head coaches on the bench. But the the notion of potentially if if it were a certain way, if they got it a certain way, let's say Barry Trotz is the guy that, that, that agrees to be the head coach. Well, Torts, would you can still consider coming here as an assistant coach? Why the f- – not going to F-bomb. S-bombs are fine for today. Why would John Tortorella leave a cushy job in a studio where he has to do basic analysis of hockey and get paid well? He's not making $50,000 in that role. Right. Why would he leave that gig? To go be the number two on the bench of a team that's not good. What if the like if it's well, well that's what I'm saying. If, what if, if the it, money's what if the money's there, Russ? If the Flyers are going to pay Trot or uh, Tortorella what it would cost 
to what I think the only way that this works, right, is if Trotz is your head coach. Correct. I think think that's the only way that that's the only way, which means you're going to shell out five, six, maybe more a year, million a year for Trotz. Let's say you're going seven for Trotz. Let's just say you're going seven for Trotz. Okay. And what's Torts going to make? Two and a half? Two and a half. Three? Three? Yeah. As as an assistant? Yeah. Okay. So it's $10 million wrapped up. How much did they pay Elaine Vigneault per year? Was it five? five? Yeah. It was five. Yeah. It was five. So you're going to pay twice as much as you did for Elaine Vigneault to have trots and torts on the bench. That's that's insane. Now, look, Comcast's money. By all means, you know, spend it away. Uh, I, don't, I don't even have a Comcast product in my house. No offense, Comcast. Sorry. Um, but... <laughs> $10 million for those two on the bench doesn't make any sense. Now, if you were going to try to sell me on the idea that uh, you're going to try to bring Torts in to be an assistant coach under uh, Montgomery or Muller, or if there's like a budding young head coach that you want to put at, at on the bench and have a backup option as your assistant coach, you might be able to talk me into it. Although, I will point... In Philadelphia, we tried that before with Brett Brown and Mike D'Antoni on his bench, and there was always that constant thought of undermining, 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 because that experienced vet head coach right. gets a little bit antsy that he doesn't get to lead the meetings, he's not leading the room, and he's he's just off there in the wings, ready to take over when the younger coach fails. I'm just saying. I, hey, guys, I've got a great I, idea. I Let's like... bring Alain Vigneault back and coach him with John Tortorella and Barry Trotz. <laughs> I mean, you are still paying Vino. Why not bring him? <laughs> him ten more, ten million. You can have all three more. of them on the bench together. <laughs> that's I, I'm insane. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I look. I think that that's part of the why Tortorella said what he said. I thought it was kind of a surprise answer. Like he, I think he went into that thinking, "I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be the guy that they want. I'm the first interview. This is you know." And, and kind of word gets around that, you know, the, the senior advisors are, are in favor of torts. They like torts, right? We know this. This is not a big surprise. I mean, they're all, you know, torts guys. Um, who, who are senior advisors, Anthony? Can you elaborate on who, who senior advisors could uh, the three include? The three senior – well, I guess four technically if you count Billy Barber, mm-hmm. who is Dave Scott's personal senior advisor. Um, okay. So Bill Barber, Paul Holmgren, Bob Clark, and Dean Lombardi. Okay. Are the four senior advisors? Um, Swell. So I mean, you know, those guys. You know, so, they, so if you're Torts and you're going, yeah, I'll go into that interview. That sounds like a good spot. You know, maybe you know, I can. I mean, look, hell, the guy took the job in Columbus, right? I mean, he never thought you could win with Columbus. So I mean, if he took that gig, he would he could take the Flyers and turn them around. And then he comes out of the interview and goes, yeah, I'm I'm just uh, yeah, I'm I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to interview with that team. And that's all you say. It means that they they either indicated to you that it was you're not their first choice or they offered you something that you were completely not expecting to be offered yeah right that's, that's kind of where i that's kind of how i look at it and and, and you know it's funny and, and and some of these interviews kind of like take like no time like i know for a fact mike babcock may or may not have interviewed here with the last gm and that interview took 60 seconds <laughs> It could I'm happen. Not, I'm not kidding. It, it, it took 60 seconds. And no no one got bored of that. But that's, you know. And again, there's, listen, this is not like the old, uh, you know, like everybody, let's all, you know, help skip the rope for everybody else. There's egos involved. Mm-hmm. There's 
general managers that hire coaches based on their own ego of what kind of ego I'm going to get in here. What do I want to deal with with my morning coffee in the morning? Do I want to have a guy who's going to tell me how great he coached the team last night and how they won because of him? Or do you want a GM? Like, there's, there's different coaches. Everybody's different. I mean, there's arrogant, egotistical coaches. The Flyers may or may not have had one in the last couple of years. Um, and then there's guys that are just down to earth, salt and salt of the earth, meat and potatoes. Craig Berube's that guy. No garbage, no bullshit. Let's just figure out what we're going to try to do to win the next game. Yep. And it's not yes. all about all the outside stuff. That's part of it too, guys. There's factors that come in in terms of what a GM and his staff want to deal with. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, unless you've got a certain persona as a GM, you're not going to want a guy in here who's going to be in your face telling you your business about what he needs on the ice. Just so you know, if Chuck Fletcher's here uh, and he decides that he goes with Barry Trotz and Trotz accepts the offer, Barry Trotz isn't going to just coach this team. He's going to GM this team. He's going to go well beyond it. And these are the things, and whether people want to believe it or not, if you're soft or you're not full of your own conviction, you're going to get a guy who's not who's made for the job, but you won't hire him because it's a detriment to what maybe your future is. That is the exact point that I made last week with Ann. And I, I did a little bit of digging around with the organization because I wanted to, you know, sometimes I have my little theories and I have my little thoughts and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're right. But in, in this case, I uh, <laughs> like that. But uh, in this case, I was like, all right, just conceptually, because I, 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 I have my thoughts about Chuck Fletcher, the, the team builder, the GM. I, I just think he's very, he, he does what he does. He builds a fringe team. Uh, the draft the draft has been has been good. Minnesota has been good. There are some potential good prospects in the Flyers system, but I don't think he's the guy that leads you to a cup. My my concern, and I, I voiced this to Ant, and then I, I did a little bit of digging. I said, all right, I wanted to try to find out if Comcast, if like a Dave Scott, who is going to be involved in this process, if if this organization is so married to Chuck Fletcher as the GM, as the president of the team, that they would allow Barry Trotz to get away. Like, if Trotz were interested in this job and said, look, I think I only have like three-ish years left on the bench, and then I want to transition more into a front office role. Or like, I want to not only be the chef, but I want to be the guy buying the groceries as well. I don't think Chuck Fletcher hires him. That's By, by the way, that, that also assumes that like Barry Trotz wants the job, right? Like that, that he's in... He interviews with the full intention of like, this is a job that I want. This is a market I want to coach and all that. I don't think Chuck Fletcher would hire Barry Trotz knowing that there is a uh, legitimate chance that his player personnel stranglehold that he's got right now maybe goes away. Now, from a self-preservation standpoint, hiring Trotz is a brilliant move. Trotz is going to make this team a top three, top four team in the conference, depending on what moves you make in the offseason and if all your guys come back healthy. I think Trotz is good enough to get them into the top four in the East. Just because he's a good coach, he'll install a system that's going to drive opponents insane. He's got a, you know, a solid track record of being able to do this. Tortorella and Tockett, I think, personality-wise, aren't going to be pushovers. I don't think they're legitimate contenders for the job. Montgomery and Muller, I don't know enough about. But I would say that if those are the only two other names on the on the list, unless you guys have some, you know, over the top anecdotes here about Montgomery or Mueller being, you know, fire breathing dragons, I, I think that one of them is the more likely option, right? 
Muller Muller's been a captain of the Devils. You know, he he's been a great assistant coach for a lot of years. Um, I don't know if he's really ever wanted that the head coaching job. You know, Montgomery, I played with him. I yeah, I don't know. I haven't talked to Chief really about. It. I never really asked Chief uh, about him this year at all. But um, I played with him a little bit. I mean, he, to me, Montgomery looks like a guy who is better with younger guys, right? Like University of Denver. Uh, he had a, a younger yeah. team when he was in Dallas, you know, kind of brought him along. So, you know, and until he develops that and wins the Stanley Cup or gets a, you know, a veteran team deep, uh, he's probably still stuck in, you know, in, in, the, in a set of boots that's telling you that he's better with younger guys. That's why I'm thinking, and again, there's no detriment to having a guy like that to management. You know, you bring him in, he's yeah. going to do what you tell him. You're going to program. And again, I'm, and this is not a shot at Chuck. This is any general manager. You know, any general man. Me, if I were a GM, I wouldn't give a shit. I would coach. I would GM for the betterment of the franchise and people in front. I could care less who my coach is. If he didn't like me or if he didn't, we didn't jive, it's about the product on the ice. The other thing, too, and I just wrote it down right here, Barry Trotz. You know, when you look at Barry Trotz in terms of what this interview gets him to, the first one, it also gets him, like, as I'm going to say right here, $7 million to talk. That's what happens when you go to Winnipeg after that, right? So you walk in the door, like, how's everything going? He goes, well, I just want to let you guys know before I talk, I was in Philadelphia three days ago, and before we say anything, they just offered me $7 million. It's also a real smart move by Barry Trotz, too, to take sure. the Flyers interview first, because now he's going to go around with an offer sheet that says exactly what it is, and it puts everyone else on notice immediately. I think Barry Trotz, personally, guys, I think he's going to end up in Winnipeg. Um... That's my guess. That's just a guess. Just because it's his hometown, he's from there. Um, the Flyers will end up with a good coach. I will say that. If people are worried, they're going to end up with a good coach. Um, that, for sure, I know. What level of that coach is, there's, there's just different, there's different plateaus of who they are. Coaches that have won a Stanley Cup have a different mindset and a different attitude than the ones that haven't. They've gotten to the top of Everest, uh, and they want to get back there again. I don't necessarily think, I think that they're going to want to be involved in a retool or a rebuild. There's your, there's your number so, right there. So if we, go, if we go through this really quick, I, I assume you guys are going to agree with this. Trots, again, health, your injured players from this past year are back in full form. Fletcher puts together a competent NHL team. Trots is probably best case scenario with this team, fourth or so in the East. And then I view the next tier down, Torts and Tockett, I think get you in that maybe 8 to 10 range, right? Like, I, I think they, they can probably coach a team up in a good scenario into being a bubble playoff team. And then Montgomery and Muller, I have no idea what they can be. They might really just be the play for a stopgap coach or for a coach that you're trying to develop with. Is that fair? Bundy, you kind of, like, cringed on the Trots thing. You don't think he can get them as high as four. Like, where, where do you uh, think Trots could... Where do you think Trotz can coach a team up to? Yeah, everybody is he in the Torts and Tocket like bubble bubble team? Is he like five six? Like, what do you think? Maybe, but I, I I mean, you're talking. Look at the teams in the playoffs this year, Russ. Like, there's good teams and there's teams that missed that were also on the rise that you just don't know what they're going to do. It's not like everybody's going to get stuck in quicksand and and the Flyers are the only team who's going to move forward. Again, I'm going to what Mike Yo said. We couldn't. Nobody else could coach this team to a win. How, you know, that's what I'm going at. Yeah, they're getting healthier. We don't know about Ryan Ellis. How's Coots' back going to be? I don't know these things. I just yeah. don't know yet where that's at. And that will be a story that will get told 
in time, but right now I just don't know what that is. I mean, to be fair, Russ. And what say you? Well, to be fair, I mean, in in um, his first year with the Islanders, before he turned them into an Eastern Conference final uh, appearance two years in a row, um, they weren't anything special. I mean, the, his, his first year with the Islanders, I mean, they got into the playoffs. He got he got them in. Um, but they, you know, they, I think they, I don't remember. Did they lose the first round or second round? I, I forget what it was. I don't remember. But he, I mean, he got them in. Yeah, um, lost in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it wasn't anything, anything special. It wasn't until, uh, the bubble, uh, you know, that, that, that team really kind of, and keep in mind, the other thing to keep in mind with that team prior to the pandemic hitting in March of 2020. The Islanders had just lost, I believe it was 9 out of 10. They were falling apart. Like, they were not they, – they were on their way out, and, and they were going to miss the playoffs. And getting that break when they did allowed them to kind of collect themselves and then come into the bubble healthy and fresh and new and refocused. Yeah, and they played their, their round-robin games, and then, bang, they were ready to go. Um so, you know, let's not make it seem like Barry Trotz went in and just turned the Islanders around real quick. Uh, he, you know, yeah, they made the playoffs the first year, but they weren't anything great. And then the second year, they, they actually benefited from the pandemic. And then the third year, I mean, again, even last year, I mean, you know, it was a shortened season. So, I mean, so, you, know, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, he, yeah, yeah, he's – the proven track record. Yeah, he does have a proven track record, but it doesn't necessarily translate with the roster that you have into automatic contention. He could just as easily be in that bubble squad, you know, seven to ten range in his first year with the Flyers. As he do, we know what kind of personnel say he had with the Islanders. I can't imagine he had much. Lou Lamarillo is the GM there. Right? So, <laughs> so, so then, so then, if if that. If that's the way that we look at it, is there then the possibility that we say, all right, well, if Trotz is brought in and, and he's supposed to have or he negotiates in having say on the roster and you can turn things over. All right. Maybe it's not this year, but within two years, you get into like the middle or, or top mid of the conference. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I, think that, I think that's that's maybe. more real. That's more reasonable and realistic than one year. I don't think that. Well, I mean, I've seen it ha- again. I, mean, it, I was saying, I was saying that's like the top. That's like the best case scenario. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Is maybe you get to no, is maybe you get to four. It could happen, but not not the expectation. I'm just going off of like if we go by what I think the best case scenario for each of these guys is. All right, so we don't think the trots is going to end up here, or Bundy doesn't. I I have no idea. Ant, do you feel like um? Put it this way, would the Flyers? Would they back up the Brinks truck so much that they godfather offer Barry Trotz? I think they're going to try to. I think they're going to try to. And it's just a matter of determining what that number is. So. Would you – so if – I believe before you said $7 million is is the thought. If he goes out to Winnipeg and says, hey, the Flyers offered me $7 million, like Bundy thinks he would, right? Uh, And then Trotz is kind of sitting on the fence – Winnipeg says we'll go six and a half. He probably yeah. Trotz goes back. He'll, he'll like, give him a home. But Trotz, Trotz, Trotz's representative goes back to the Flyers and says, you, you got to do better. If the Flyers offer eight, eight and a half, <laughs> is that enough for a coach to say, yeah, you know what? It should be. The hell with my hometown it, it team. It should be. But, I, you know, it's up to, depends on what, the, what, what matters the most to the coach. 
I, 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 I just can't believe we were paying coaches eight and a half million dollars or even talking about it in this league. Um, and on top of another guy making five already that we got to pay for two more years, where we're lucky that we're lucky we're Comcast. <laughs> there you go. For one thing you never thought you would hear, Bundy saying, thank God we're lucky we are Comcast. There you go, Bundy. Hey, yeah, yeah. I integrated myself. It's been like I mean, a, the ultimate well, olive branch has been issued well, today. First, see NBC that? I'm getting nicer. Others. See that? I'm getting more. I'm, now, you know what it is, guys. It's just like, you know, soft. thank God that if we have an opportunity to have a good team, like there's nothing I want to see more than this team succeed and have success and, and the fans happy and, and just the way it was. The way it was is all I want, mm-hmm. you know. Just give me back my old lounge chair. And, uh, and, and then we haven't had that for a while. And now it's like pandemonium and chaotic and all kinds of shit that's going on with this team. And, you know, I just want, I just want back what once was, man. It was just a great place to be great place to be around. You know, um, we're not the only, you know, flyers aren't the only team that is struggling, you know, in terms of what they're doing, whether it's seat filling seats or keeping up with their brand, but this is just such a special organization, guys, and it has been. And I just want to see it get back to what it was. You know, I mean, I, last year I'd never seen anything like that, never. And and whether it's a coach, if they want to pay a coach twenty million dollars to make this team viable again, go ahead and do it. You yeah. got my green light. Yeah. Hey, uh, one one final note, and this has nothing to do with hockey, but it's kind of a sad note. Um, just kind of came across as we're recording here. Um, my all-time favorite movie is Goodfellas. I don't know where you, or where that ranks for you guys. Certainly, my favorite movie of all Top time. Top ten. Ray Liotta passed away today at the age of sixty-seven. No, no. really? Yes. I knew you were going to say it too, Anthony. I knew it. Ugh. Yes. Yes. Very sad note. I thought that that was uh, such a great role for him, and to be the way just how it was n- narrating that movie, he was so good. And, and then just to be good in the, you know, obviously playing off of De Niro and Pesci the way he did. It was just mm-hmm. such a great role and, and such a great film. And uh, so just uh, just a little. Karen, story. what did you do with the bag, Karen? They Where's never the would have found Karen? it. They never would have found it. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, just a tremendous movie. And uh, so sad note there. Just want to kind of throw that out. Rest in peace for uh, for Thanks, Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta, what a, a good, what a good actor in that movie. And like I said, it's my all-time favorite. That's why I brought it up. So um, anyway, not to, not to end on a downer, but you know, I don't know. Rush Great episode, else. boy. Yeah. Ice War is back go. in August. Just letting you guys know, I wanted to get that promo in. Ice is War on Twitter. Uh, this thing's growing like a small wildfire out in the west coast of the United States. Uh, no pun intended, I guess, but, uh, I tell you what, it'll be back in August guys. And I know we'll be, uh, we'll continue to pump it up. Wait, and am I, am I right, Bundy, that when it comes back in August, it's going to be coming to the Eastern part of the United States. We're, we're, we're working on stuff. There's, there's possibilities, Anthony, but we're, I'll promise you, I will promise you this. It will be on the East coast of the United States before long. Let's say that. All right. Okay. I like that. That's a, that's a good sound. That's a good place to end for, uh, for today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, not only can you listen to the dulcet tones of Bundy and and myself, wherever you get your podcasts, which of course is Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, Google Podcasts, wherever wherever you like to put headphones in or or blare it through your speakers, you can find Snow the Goalie. Don't forget, all of your smart devices, you can ask Alexa or Siri or uh, Google to play the newest episode of Snow the Goalie of Flyers podcast hands-free. It's a great thing. 
But also, you can watch the episode over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. We have been building a following. We've been building a uh, viewership of these episodes. I think it's because they know that the looks are the man in the middle right there, Bundy. I'm hoping that I'm not in the middle when this actually goes to render. Uh, but just <laughs> You're just in my middle, clarity, Russ. What, what, I'm in the middle? No, okay. Well, I'm not being narcissistic <laughs> here. I'm going to say it's all about Bundy. Although, let's be, I mean, but um, we always love, we appreciate uh, people following. It's funny, guys. I talk about this, I don't know how often now. The, the Flyers being good is good for ratings. The Flyers being bad is good for ratings. The Flyers being middle of the road is stagnant for ratings. Doesn't really mm-hmm. grow that much. But our listenership has doubled, doubled, doubled this year. Wow. Actually, it's more than doubled. And we had a sizable following as it was. Something about this uh, this little trio apparently is uh, connecting well with at least part of the Flyers fan base. A sizable one at that. So thank you to all of you who have listened. We will continue to break down the action. We'll obviously continue through the summer, through the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Thoughts. Right. And, and now we just have to sit back and, and wonder, will there be a new head coach named, I don't know, as, as early as next week's show? We don't know. Maybe it's too soon. We're not sure. But we are sure that we will be here to cover it all. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly, at CTerrian6, at JoyOnBroad. You can follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram, at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. Don't forget, if you're on Twitter, we have the SnowTheGoalie group, the little uh, community. Sometimes we break a little bit of news there before it goes fully public. So uh, make sure you get in in the group. Send a request. We'll add you in. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you next week here on Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.